Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today we are talking about technology, screens, and the contemplative life. And I want to start off by saying, in no way do we want this to feel like a shaming episode. You know, I think sometimes when the topic of technology comes up, all of a sudden we feel like, oh my gosh, you know, our brain cells are dying, our relational connections are drying up. This is horrible. And while we want to acknowledge some of the dynamics that screens and technology actually bring to our lives, we are hoping that we can see how actually the contemplative life and some of these practices are super helpful and super important in this day and age. Because the reality is that I'm sure every single one of us, and you know, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're engaging with technology right now. And so it's part of our lives. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And so what does it mean to engage with God, with others, with ourselves and with technology? So I'd love to open up the conversation today and see what comes up for the two of you. Yeah, I think that's a helpful framework to say like, hey, this is a both and kind of conversation. We we both use the technology and need it, and we need breaks from the technology at times. And it reminds me a little bit, I have been reading up on Muslim traditions for class, and there is a shared notion with Christianity uh, to be in the world but not of the world and they kind of expanded out a little bit to talk about an inward letting go with an outward engagement and i just found that to be useful to be like i'm going to outwardly use this stuff but i don't need it it's not going to take over or you know maybe when it does take over i can notice it (laughs) and make another choice but yes i think that that's an important aspect of being able to engage a conversation about technology and screens, right? Is that both and reality? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super thankful for technology. I think I've been able to be a part of some things, uh, whether it's, you know, a school or a class because of technology. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have to drive uh, a long ways to go to these classes. I've been able to be a part of things that I probably wouldn't be able to be a part of if it wasn't for technology. But I'm also very aware of how technology, um, you know, we use the word screens or, uh, you know, social media, whatever you want to say, um, they often tend to, if, if you don't look at it in a contemplative way, they can just sort of eat up your time. My thoughts around, you know, technology screens is how are we viewing it in a way where it be it's a tool for us rather than it becoming the master. And oftentimes when I talk to people, it is the master of their life. And they're asking questions, how can I, how can I cut back or how can I, I, I this is out of control. What do I do? And so I'd love to hear more thoughts about that. Yeah, I was recently listening to um, a couple of different podcasts, one with you know sociologists and researchers talking about some of the habits that are formed with our 
technology, social media. And one thing he was bringing up was, you know, in as an English speaker, I read a book from left to right and my eyes scan that way as I am reading a book. However, with screens, we tend to do skimming. So he said, what happens is we read the first line and then we kind of go down with our eyes to, to kind of skim and then maybe catch that last line. And so that is creating these like kind of a Z pattern or an I capital I pattern in our, in our reading. And so then when we go to read books, it can become very challenging to have that pattern of left to right. And we can easily get distracted and lose our interest in books. And particularly with young, young children who are forming their reading habits, when we aren't having that in place and we're doing the skimming thing, you know, that, that, that can tend to be a problem for them, like immersing ourselves. And so I was just thinking about that idea of like skimming as just one topic of, of screens and technology. And it does, it promotes, and I do it all the time, right? We kind of skim to see, do I want to actually read this article or can I just skim to get the, the bits and, and the highlights? So I kind of know what's going on in the news or with certain situations. And, um, I think, you know, somebody was talking the other day about um, when when you're teaching a baby to swim or a, a child, you like you dip them barely into the water. It's like, whoop, and you kind of like go underwater, but really you're not like you're like your face is barely touching the water, but you have to kind of skim that water to get used to the water. Right. That's much different than immersing yourself under the water and, and swimming underwater. Right. And how I think a lot of times in our lives, we tend to skim. We, we, you know, just barely are kind of touching something and it's like, we're good to go. We can swim now or yep, I, I prayed or yep, I meditated which is fine. And again, that's a starting place, but that's so much different than the immersiveness of that. And so I just thought, wow, that's fascinating. Even like our reading patterns and how that can translate into other areas of our lives where we are losing the interest or attention because we're just patterned differently in the way that our brain's working. It does happen to me where I read and then I see, and then when I see the bottom, I realize almost instantly, I, I, I didn't read anything in the middle and I have to go back and I have to start again, which I, I'm noticing it's starting to cause me sometimes to read backwards to, you know, be checking out information at the bottom. Uh, but really with all of this, I think I've had to learn mindfulness where technology is concerned. Uh, I, I've, and technology came into place as I was having all these children and having work. And so it was like, great, I can stir the pot and answer email at the same time. And I can watch a show and do something over here at the same time. And so I've had to uh, embrace this notion of being mindful that if I am on a screen and there are other people there, I'm not also secretly checking my email or <laughs> like seeing what that notification is that popped up, but just to really intentionally say, I see those eyes. I see that person. Look at the beauty of this person <laughs> that is in front of me as if they're really in front of me. Uh, and so that is changing things. And the same is true if I'm watching shows at night with my husband. Uh, I could easily do something on my phone and let the show go, but to say, like, I am going to intentionally set this over here and hold his hand and be connected, right? Because the, the phone is going to keep me from that other extra connection. So it's been this practice of mindful use, if you will. Yeah, I, I think what I hear a saying is being present. How can we be present to everyone and everything in life? And I think that's the that's the balance that we're trying to strike here is, you know, yes, we can use technology. Yes, it is. It helps our lives in tremendous ways. It cuts down 
are, you know, I'm thankful for washing machines. I'm, you know, there are lots of things about technology that I'm very grateful for, but, you know, being, being present to situation, but I'm also very mindful of um, the addiction that can happen to, to screens and technology. And I think that's something that's coming up for me and many people that I know is sometimes you just have to make a clean break with some things. Uh, there's a there's a game that I love to play in the morning. It helps me get my mind going. And I've been struggling, you know, do I play this game or do I go on a walk? And I'm so, I, I, have, I, have, I just have to delete the game off of my iPad if I want to do um, something that I find, being present to myself, being present to my health. Uh, I think some people have just, they have to make a clean break. And I know some people that have gone on, media cleanses they've you know done 40 days of without media i even heard recently a guy that goes six months uh that doesn't engage in social media and he has somebody lock up his phone and change the passcodes on everything and i you know i just i want to be aware that's you know even though we're talking about being mindful and being present this is a real danger for a lot of people and this uh, this thing of being addicted to technology, being addicted to screens and social media is very present in their life. Yeah. And I think that's important to acknowledge. And again, there's, you know, technology and all of the social media, it's designed to be addictive, right? It's designed to give us the dopamine hits and all of that. And to recognize that, okay, God has given us these brain chemicals for a reason. And so Chris, your example of I can play my game or I can walk out in nature. Both of those things are going to provide brain chemical releases for you. It's just what, what quality, what type of brain chemical release am I, am I going for? Right. So I think that that's important in some of the rhythms. I think going back to this idea of skimming, right. Um, I can skim or what are some practices that I can do to counter that? And so I was recently with a group of people and we spent probably 40 minutes reflecting on a poem together. We read the poem through twice, very slowly. We talked with a partner about the poem, what's, what lines stood out to us. We came back to the larger group and just really soaked in this poem. And so I think that's a practice where, am I going to stop skimming? No. And the, you know, when I'm going through newsreels or certain things, I will continue to skim because that's just, you know, part of how I take in those types of sources. And I don't want to meditate on the news necessarily. And also I want to make sure that I'm using different muscles where I am used to going deep and not getting bored with the same thing and going back to the same. I have another group and every month we get together and we go back to the same passage in, you know, we're, we're looking at a particular passage in the new Testament and each month we're coming back to the same passage. And we've done that for months to practice how to not be bored with going back to the same thing and to expect something fresh with fresh eyes. And so I think that's important of whatever it is that we're noticing about our patterns with technology, what's the and that you mentioned, Christina, that we can add to that to help have a more balanced approach? Such a beautiful point because so much of media is created with this expendable feel, which can cause this like, did it, did it, did it kind of scenario. But then to have this other practice to be able to say, how do I go deeper in? How do I see that there can be something new and fresh when I come back to something? You know, maybe if you're playing a, a game that's meant to come and go in three minutes and then the next one, finding new and fresh, that's not the place that you're going to get that, right? But this poem, which is full of metaphor, parable, possibility, 
the outdoors, same idea, like new revelations. But it's kind of exercising different aspects of the brain. And so maybe, right, I've seen some advertisements saying some of these games can improve uh, brain function and memory or something like this. And maybe that's true. I haven't looked into it. Um, and then there's this other part of the brain, this other part of opening that also kind of wants that exercise. And, and, and if we don't use it, we don't know how it becomes a foreign language to us a little bit. Yeah, and again, going back to the sociologist and researcher that I was referencing earlier, they were talking about, um, and this was with, and I don't remember what town, but they were working with some schools and parents in the schools and how there was this fear. And I think, you know, whenever it was, we're like kidnapping and, you know, parents wanting to keep their kids inside because for fear of your child being kidnapped. And so when I was a kid, we would just like go play in the neighborhoods until it was dark out and come back for supper. And it was a very different childhood than I think nowadays. And the sociologist was kind of giving statistics of the chance of your child being kidnapped compared to like being hit by a car or, you know, hijacked on a plane or something like that. It's very low. And so he said, if we're afraid to let our children go and explore outside, you know, really the only risk that they're getting or creative outlet is through video games. And so he really encouraged these parents and these cohorts in the schools to provide opportunities for children to have freedom outside. And what happened was, you know, again, the kids were building forts or using their creativity or risking on the playgrounds as opposed to having this, I have to stay safe in my physical real life and I can explore and expand in my virtual life. And how can we, again, create opportunities in our actual real life? And, and I think kind of naming what are the fears, what are the things that keep us from going outside and or, or doing these different practices. And so I think that feels important too, of like acknowledging, well, what are the, the hindrances? And, and as I name that, what are some ways that I can overcome them? Yeah, that's a totally fair point. And, and I certainly observe creativity come uh, when we, we say like, we're not going to utilize the technology, but Dominic and I, we've always had this value. When we first got married, we chose not to have a TV, which upset everyone we knew. They were so upset. People brought TVs to our house. Like, you must have a TV. And uh, we've never chosen to have the biggest TV. And even recently, when a TV got broke, we chose not to have one for like three months. And it kills people. Um, but every now and again, we do just take a rest. Even though I use technology like crazy. I mean, I've been doing the online connection thing with people since before COVID hit. Like it, it's just been a part of my world. And like Chris said, it made it possible for me to have a career and a family. I am very thankful for all the conferences that I can attend online because otherwise I couldn't go. I couldn't justify that time away. So I do appreciate what it's bringing to my life. And then sometimes I just give it a rest. I put it down for a little bit. Yeah. And there's, there's this uh, it's, it's, it's a liturgy for media and it's this short sort of uh, poem that I, I go back to. Maybe I could share it with you guys here on the podcast, but it's by John O'Donohue. And I, I go to this over and over again because it helps me be mindful. But this is a liturgy for media. O discerning spirit, who alone judges all things rightly. Now be present in my mind and active in my imagination as I prepare to engage with the claims and questions of my culture incarnated in the stories that people tell. Let me experience mediums of art and expression, neither as a passive consumer nor as an entertainment glutton, but rather as one who through such works 
would more fully and compassionately enter this ongoing human conversation of mystery and meaning, wonder and beauty, good and evil, sorrow and joy, fear and love. May the stories I partake of and the ways in which I engage with them make me, in the end, a more empathetic Christ-bearer, more compassionate, more aware of my own brokenness and need for grace, better able to understand the hopes and fears and failings of my fellow humans, so that I may more authentically live and learn and love among them. And to that end, that all our many stories might somehow be more beautifully woven into your own greater story. Thank you. And I, I you know, appreciate, again, what we're naming that media and technology are good. Just like, you know, I, I enjoy a cupcake. Am I going to eat a cupcake every day, all day? <laughs> no, because that will make me ill, but I can certainly enjoy and be grateful for a cupcake. And in the same way as we're naming, technology is good and there's wonderful aspects. And I think, Christina, you even pointing out that, you know, they're even with like young people too, that that is a form of connection and fun and playing games with our friends, right? In, in that is part of, that's, part of the thing that we're not going to get rid of, right? It's not going to, we're not going to all of a sudden become a bunch of Luddites that don't engage with technology. That's not reality. And so I think I appreciate what we're naming today of kind of that weaving in of the both and, and how can I find God in connection and goodness with these resources and tools? Okay. Well, thanks for a generative conversation. And uh, on that note, we will transition to the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. What are we into, friends? Well, I think, and I hope I didn't share this already, but I, I am super into masala chai tea. I think a while ago I was into peppermint tea. <laughs> tea is making a comeback in my life. Um, but a friend came over and we had made uh, korma together and they brought this loose leaf masala chai and I couldn't even get it right away it wasn't quite in stock and then it finally came and uh, we boil it and then I've, I've started to make big pictures of it so that we can just heat it up again later and because it's the loose leaf it's like super potent like all the flavors are really there and talk about mindfulness like I stop everything to drink this cup of tea that sounds lovely. Um, well, maybe I will continue on the beverage front. So I am into nut pods, almond and coconut creamer, the French vanilla version. And normally I am not into like plant-based, I don't know, things to put into your coffee, but I saw that and I thought that's intriguing. And it is literally plant-based, unsweetened, dairy-free, non-GMO, soy-free, kerrigan-free, keto-friendly, paleo-friendly is on the side of the box. I am looking at it now. And I like it. It's delightful. I've been using it in my coffee in the mornings and it's kind of a fun switch up. So I am into nut pods. Well, I will continue with the food theme. Uh, I would say that I, I have a desire to be into rice. I think we have become more conscious of uh, trying to think about foods that are eaten all over the world. And rice is something that uh, I don't know that I've given a fair shot. I, I One of the favorite foods that we have is uh, Mexican food. And so it comes with, you know, brown rice and refried beans and I will eat it mixed in there. But rice isn't something that I uh, have fully engaged with. So I am trying to be into rice as a sort of supplemental food, um, a food that a lot of people eat and, uh, trying to be conscious of maybe developing a love for rice. 
So that's something that I'm trying to get into. So we'll have to have a follow-up to see if indeed you are into it in coming up weeks. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, as always, if you'd like to connect with us further, we invite you to go to info at the contemplativelife.net and you can sign up for a sample spiritual direction session. Or if you'd like to be part of our newsletter, you can sign up there at the contemplativelife.net. Until next time, make it a great week. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.